2: Blog Talk Radio.
0: This is NASCAR
4: driver Brad Keselowski, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio.
5: Good evening from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim Bespain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com CEO, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen's right outside of Richmond Raceway there. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother?
6: I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing?
5: Doing a lot better. We had a a cold front come through here about midday today. We had some thunderstorms last night. I know y'all going through that big heat deal like everybody up up north and uh new york and chicago and all that are but it's actually the humidity's dropped here steven and i think uh our low tonight's going to be probably 63 or 64 degrees so we're going to get a little bit of relief from that from this heat and i hope hope some of them other folks up north do too because they've been um they've had power outages and all that kind of stuff but um is have y'all got the cold front yet or y'all still in that hot damn it area
6: <clears throat> no, we've had a bunch of last night. Thunderstorm's raining all day long, and uh, it's about 74, 75, and tomorrow's supposed to be like 72.
5: That's some good weather, bro.
6: Steve, let me let everybody know
5: the number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim Spain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson, our guest tonight, we've got Mr. Jake Griffin. Uh, Jake made the trek from uh, Quincy, Illinois, up to uh, Palmer, Alaska, Stephen. He had to go through Canada and all that. I, wanna, I really want to talk to him about how that logistics and all that work. But uh, he put his late model in Victor Lane up there at Alaska Raceway Park. We're going we're to talk to him about that. And uh, I know you want to talk to him about his truck deal with Mike Eferrano going to Eldor next, next week. So, like I said, Jake's going to join us here at 20 after the hour. And even we uh we went to New Hampshire. Kevin Harvick, which let me let me go back to Christopher Bale. Let's do let's do the NASCAR thingy series like we always do before I go to the Cup side. Uh, uh, Chris Christopher Bale put that Toyota in again there. That young man I know we have talked uh, upon multiple occasions about, and I I listen to a lot of serious XM radio. I say that occasionally on on the show, but I I do, I especially listen to Bagley and Pistone in the in the morning and over the past few weeks probably two or three weeks they've been talking about where are we going to put this young man christopher bale we got a lot of young guys coming up stephen uh what is the solution do we leave them in the X-Fendi series or do we bring them up to a lower um, i don't want to cut nobody's throat about uh just a lower tier team in a toyota or ford or chevrolet or what have you what's the um what do you think we're looking at for these younger drivers coming up? Because we got some drivers that's not going nowhere because they doing pretty good.
6: Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I think we talked about this, and it continues to be talked about over and over again. And I think just about every media availability as to um, you know as to what's going on uh, with some of these drivers, and we've got. Christopher Bell that's now in his third year or so in the Xfinity series. And uh he continues to go to victory lane, he continues to take polls, um, <clears throat> he's one of the strongest performers right now, um, in the GR stable. Um, aside from I think Kyle Bush or something like that, but uh he he, he has the talent there that um could see him succeed um, in the Cup Series. However, you know, uh, to, to, I think Toyota honestly is a little bit to blame for this. And the reason why I say this is just because Toyota has just created this um, impeccable uh, driver development over the last 8 or 10 years. And they develop these drivers in the late fall and K&N and Sprint Cars and Arca and uh, you name it. And then they come up there and into the trucks and Xfinity and Cup Series. And, you know, the pipeline for them is just never-ending because, you know, every other every other week we hear of another so Toyota driver going to Victor Lane. Um, you know, Chandler Smith and Arca Series is one three straight in a row. He's you a racing development driver. Um, Haley Diggins has gone to uh, Victor Lane series K&N Series just recently. He's he a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know we continue to have these these drivers that that are in these lower tiered series, and there's no place for them to go. I mean, you know, they're going into Cup Series. You know, it's it's not like the Truck Series, it's not like the Xfinity Series where Um, you may only see a driver there for two or three or four years or something like that, or there's teams closing up. Uh, We just don't have that in the Cup Series. So Toyota is kind of, again, a little bit to blame into that with, you know, just creating just this impeccable driver development. And um, there's no place for them to go. And I don't think that's not Toyota's fault. Um, It's just, you know... (laughs) They're blamed because they've created something really, really good, and they have really, really good drivers and uh, development all the way through the lower tier series, all the way up in the pathway into the Cup Series. But the Cup Series has only got so many seats. And, uh, you know, when the drivers get to the Cup Series, they're they're not there for one or two or three or four years. They're there for 10 or 12 or 15 or maybe even longer years. And, uh, you know, there's just, unfortunately, you know, we could probably field the whole field with, uh, you know, 38, 38 or 40 Toyotas every single week. And Toyota will find 50 drivers out there that could potentially have a seat with their talent. So I think it's just the way that they've built that development series that it's just unfortunate that drivers like Christopher Bell are kind of stuck in that. Uh, kind of that middle, uh, and they stuck in the middle where he's got the talent to move up, but there's just nowhere for him to go.
5: I agree with you 100%, Stephen. It's sort of like uh, Toyota made the bed, now, now they got to lay in it. or sort of like a double-edged sword, Stephen. I hadn't thought about, about it on the perspective that you just put it there, but, yeah, we hate to blame Toyota, but like you said, the uh, – Toyota's sinking a ton of money into Nascar. You and I have talked about that on multiple occasions. They're 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 dropping the dimes, buddy. I'm talking about big dimes. And just like you said, it's sort of like uh sorta of like they over
4: uh,
5: overpopulated or what have you. But Stephen, uh before I go on to the uh media center interview there at uh New Hampshire with Jason Ratcliffe and Chris Bale. Uh, I know we had some sad news come out of Nascar. We lost Nick Harris. Nick Harrison was crew chief colleague racing for uh, Justin Haley, and uh, you know, you got an hour texting back and forth. And I actually texted uh, uh, Tony Tony Gibson. I text Bob Pockers, and didn't nobody really know. And you know, you text me and asked, was he at the track and all that. Do you have any further info? On what exactly happened? I know he passed in his sleep after the Xfinity race that night, and our thoughts and prayers go out to colleague racing And all of Nick Harrison's family and friends there. But do you have any information that you can pass on? Do they do they know exactly what happened?
6: No, um, still don't know. Um, yeah, they've been kind of tight-lipped at this moment.
5: Yeah, and. Uh, I just I just want to get out there and just to let our listeners know and let everybody uh our good friends College Grayson there and Nick Harrison. I was friends with Nick on Facebook and uh wanna let everybody know our thoughts and prayers are with are with the team of the Nick Harrison family It's this at this bad situation. But Stephen uh let's go in, let's do uh uh Jason Ratcliffe, Christopher Bell a little bit there in the media center right before uh we've got Jake Griffin coming on. And, uh, again the number to call in is two one five three eight three Two one five three three thirty six eight one. I'm Tim Steinle dot com Mr. Stephen Wilson.
2: We will now begin our post-race media availabilities. We are now joined by our winner, Christopher Bell, and winning crew chief Jason Ratcliffe. Congratulations, guys! Thanks for for popping in. We'll go ahead and open it up for media questions. If you have one, please raise your hand, and we will get to you as soon as possible. Start right here in the front. Hello, Jason. Hey. Hi. Hey.
7: How's it going? Good. Just comment on your short track program and, and this guy's ability to implement it. You know, since uh, since we started last year, it's just been it's been pretty good. You know, we uh, we hit on a package that works for us, and um, obviously with Christopher's background, I think you know that kind of suits his driving style, and especially at tracks like this where you know you get into traffic pretty quick and you have lane options and. Uh, you know, I felt like we were a little bit quicker than those guys today. But where he would really stretch it out is when we get to lap traffic, and he would start working the working the lap traffic just better than those guys. So he fits his style. Um, I mean, I think our intermediate program's strong as well. But um, but we've definitely been good on the short tracks. That's been our bread and butter so far. Uh, so we'll just keep capitalizing on that.
2: We'll go over here to the right to Jerry, and then right back over here.
7: Jerry Jordan, kicking the net. Christopher,
4: talk about your domination out there, basically. I mean, and, and you and Bell, I mean, you and uh, uh, Cole seem to be going back and forth of wins tit-for-tat. Uh, what are you thinking about this overall uh, season?
3: I think the season's gone really well so far. We um, we just need to keep clicking away here. We're going to Iowa next week, which should be another really good racetrack for us. So uh, I should have a shot at it. And then uh, after that, it's coming into a, a little bit of a, a rough stretch for me as a driver, the road courses. I love Bristol, but uh, I'm not much of a road racer, so we we had moments where we were pretty good last year at the road courses, so hopefully we can, or I can put it all together. I know my, my cars will be good, so I'll have Kyle as a teammate at Watkins Glen, and um, hopefully I can learn some from him and be competitive.
2: We'll come right down here.
0: Congratulations. Uh, Sherman Whitman, WPKC Radio, Fitchburg, Mass. You led for all but 14 laps. What do you credit that to?
3: Uh, I just credit it to a great race car. That's. That's the biggest thing and and I it keeps getting pounded into my head week in and week out that uh the race cars are the ones that the race cars win the races. Um the drivers just kinda uh are along for the ride. So Jason keeps giving me great race cars and that's uh that's what the key is.
0: The race car, yes, but isn't it something about the driver too that makes it happen?
3: Absolutely.
7: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Man, I just I just hold the wheels so uh, all my job is is to make sure that the race car goes around the racetrack as good as it can and um, you know my team are the ones that win the races we'll go to Bob uh, Bob Parker, Fox Sports last week
4: you had dominant car early and um, obviously Cole got they got their car better um, late I know there's no sundown here that really would impact it potentially as much but was there a concern for you at all gosh we're so good early is the same thing gonna happen
3: A little bit it's definitely intimidating whenever you lead the entire race but uh, it was a little bit different this time because the double zero is kind of keeping up with us a little bit in the first stage so I had a little bit more direction to to point Jason on why you know why I couldn't continue to stretch the lead out and then uh, yeah I guess uh, I guess the biggest difference was obviously the sun didn't go down so the track didn't change very much but uh, we just executed all day my pit crew did fantastic Uh, we never lost positions on pit road restarts worked out in my favor Never lost positions on restarts. So uh, just everything worked out today.
2: We'll go down to uh, to Jerry and then to the back.
4: Jason, for you, real quick, you've been with a lot of drivers, a lot of, a lot of good drivers. So what do you see in Christopher, and, and what do you see his potential going from here?
7: <laughs> I get this question every time we come here. That's, that's awesome. I love it. So uh, he obviously, I mean, I think, I think his record shows it um i heard someone today in qualifying mentioning um his win to start ratio which i didn't even realize i'm like wow that's amazing um i mean that's in a different category right there so you know what else do you say i think that that uh, speaks for itself and i think for as far as his future goes i mean you know like i say every time i get asked this question it's it, it, he can go as far as as he wants to go. I mean, I think that uh, he's on the right path. I don't think he has to be in a hurry about it. He's doing good things right now. He's learning. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of a lot of cars out there that uh, would love to have put one of his seats in it. So uh, he's being patient. He's doing a good job of executing each and every week and, and building on that. And uh, you know, we'll just see what tomorrow holds. But I think it's, he's got good things in store for him. I hate doing that you know I, I mean I don't think so um, he, his driving style is different than you know I've worked with Kyle and we know he's he's amazing he's probably one of the best sports I've ever seen um, they have different driving styles and um, Christopher does things um, at this stage of his career better than Kyle did, did. but Kyle did things better than Christopher so I think my challenge to Chris for each and every week is, hey, these are the areas that we need to grow on. These are the areas that you do really well, that come natural to you, that are amazing. And, and I've worked with some great drivers, so uh, I feel like I've, I've got a pretty good measuring stick on where he needs to be there. Um, but then these are the areas we need to work on, and, and the great thing about him is he, he takes it to heart and he says, all right, well, I'm going to work on it. And every week he goes out and he does better in those areas. So. I think he just um, – I don't think we really know right now. I mean, he's sitting beside me, so it's tough to speak too much. We won't get him out of the room. His head will keep swelling up. But uh, he's pretty good, man. He's pretty good. I think, uh, like I said, I think his record um, speaks for itself. And um, we've got to we got to keep him humble, you know, so he keeps digging. Um, but he, does, he actually does a good job of keeping him his, himself humble. And, you know, that statement a while ago about – it's all about the race car. I think everyone in this room knows better than that. Um, I've had a, a lot of good race cars and couldn't win races with them uh, without the right guy behind the wheel. So we're doing good things. Um, I'm proud of him. Uh, you know, he just he keeps working hard, and um, it's exciting to see, you know, where he's going to go in the future. Yep. Stephen,
5: that was uh, Christopher Bale, driver there, and uh, his crew chief, Jason Ratcliffe, in the media center there after he won the expanded his Series race there at New Hampshire. North just like I brought up earlier, uh, the way Jason was talking, like, you, you know, I know you and I were, were listening to that. He, he knows it's just a matter of time. But, you know, like you and I said, we don't know where we're going to put him. But Christopher Bale and Tyler Reddick, you got all these guys going to Homestead this year. This is going to be the final Ford championship weekend there at Homestead, Miami Speedway, and you and I, my daughter and wife, Suzanne, we're going to attend that. I'm lucky to be able to go to that. But who do you think we look at going into Miami as one of the front runners, Christopher Bell or Tyler Reddick, your last year's champion in the NASCAR
6: Community Series? Um, I think are, both of them are, are – um yeah, I, I think both of them are um, you know, what what we'll probably see in the final four. I would also su- suspect that we'll see Cole Custer there too. Um, beyond that, um, you know, there there's a little bit of shifting that can go on in the next couple of uh next couple of weeks or so. And um From there, um, I don't know. I I think we could – I think there's probably at least a couple more drivers in there somewhere that we could probably look at. But right now, I think those are the three that we're going to look at in the series is probably most definitely. Um, You know, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth on, you know, Justin Guy or, um, you know, we also got – I d I d I don't know. I I, I think right now Reddick, Bell and Custer are, are pretty much locked in. Um yeah, and it's kinda of close in the next couple through. So, I don't know. You know, we there's still some time left that, you know, a driver can pull off a win and you know, Xfinity series this year we've only got four Xfinity series regulars that have pulled off a win. So um you know, uh, the top three have something like 13 or 14 combined between themselves. So, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't know. You know, we, I, we may have a surprise. We've still got a couple of races to go and, you know, it could almost be anybody's game at this point.
5: I would definitely agree. you. And also we've got AJ Almodegger. He's coming back, going to run a uh, road course race there, uh, uh, don't quote me where it said is, I don't remember where it said to but A.J. Amendinger is going to run a cup race, a uh, cup race, expanded series race there with College racing, which I know it won't make a difference because, you know, you have to, when you, when you when the season starts, you have to declare which series you're going to run for championship. Of course, you have to try to, you have to make every race. And A.J. Amendinger will not be eligible. But going to that road course race there with A.J. Amendinger being such a hell of a damn road course driver, He can throw a kink into all this stuff too Also with Bale, Custer And uh, Cindric, and all them Steven
6: Um, I mean He could Um, He doesn't have to make every race But he has to be in the top 20 and win a race The same thing that Chastain just faced in the truck series And he's both inside Top 20 and has his win So um, he he's pretty good to go there, but um, yeah, uh, you know I think you know I think it goes back to years ago when we used to see a lot of these um, uh, you know road course ringers that would show up at uh, places like Watkins Glen or Riverside or uh, Sonoma and you know all these other places that we used to go to and some we don't go to anymore, but um, yeah I think the talent out there just got to the point where you you know you have to be good at these too. Uh, and, and with the Xfinity series, they, they run like, uh, mid Ohio road America. Um, you know, they run more road courses than the cup series do. So, you know, these drivers have to be, um, you know, good at these too. And just because AJ Gallim, Dare comes in and, you know, he's got his best background in road course racing and some of his best finishes are in road course racing in, in NASCAR. Um, you know the rest of these drivers in the field they've they've had to adapt to the point where they have to be good at these events too and maybe they're not the best at these events but they still have to be good at these events so you know i think we you know we're we're seeing, you know uh um you know with these drivers just you know how well that they do and you look just last year or two, uh Jeremy Clemens. Um he's not a driver we talk about a whole lot of times, but he wanted a road course. So I think that just kinda of shows the talent that we have in the field and, and what these drivers are able to do. Um and just how you have to be good everywhere and you just can't be good on all or in super speedways anymore.
5: Exactly Stephen, very well put. And we've got our guest Stephen. let's go ahead and bring on a uh, driver in the uh late model the late battle series is entered up to alaska also he's going to drive uh mike Eferano next uh wednesday i think uh El Dor's people let's bring on my good friend jake griffin in a pit stop with tim spain and stephen wilson ladies and gentlemen
1: welcome to the main event
5: Mr. Jake Griffin, how you doing tonight, brother?
8: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on.
5: Going good, Jake. Thanks again for coming on. We've had you on multiple times, but again we got you on this this week. Uh you won the late motor race up there in Alaska, brother. I mean there's there's a lot of folk don't even know there's a damn racetrack
8: in Alaska.
6: Yeah, when I got the call about it, uh, uh my dad
8: was like, Hey, you wanna go race in Alaska? Uh, this guy wants us to go up there, and I was like, racing in Alaska? I didn't think that was a thing. So, yeah, we went up there and uh, had a great time. Just an amazing facility up there. Um, definitely a first-class racetrack, and I don't know if you saw the pictures, but the uh, view there is amazing. You can't beat it. I did. I got the note on there.
5: i sent seen the pictures on alaskaracewaypark.com also. And, Jake, uh I want to you know sort of cover this late mile deal with you, and I'm going to let Steven SpeedwayDollars dot com cover your upcoming truck deal there with Mike F. over there at outdoor uh, Speedway. But some of the logistics, logistics, can you let some of our listeners know? You know, you have to go across Canada to get to Alaska, and far as your far as your holler and far as your car going up there, was that was that tough getting through the border security? I mean, you know, just sort of let some of our listeners know exactly. How far you guys had to go to get to Palmer, Alaska?
8: Uh what actually happened was um is they housed their car in Alaska. Um I got called to drive. He wanted me to drive his car. Um uh Bobby roosted and um so he called me up and wanted me to drive it and he was willing to uh, uh you know, cover the flight tickets and uh, my hotel and everything else. So um but yeah, my flight from Illinois it was about in total after the layover it was about eight hour flight, but uh I can only imagine um having to go up there with a hauler and everything else, uh what it would take. I am sure it would take a lot, you know.
5: I'm sure it would too, Jake. And again, congratulations there on that on that win and get and getting back in feature Lane there. And uh I wanna go on to uh you had uh, you had qualified a car really, really well and in that feature that you that you run, you you actually got out front quick, and you actually, I think you won. I watched it on uh, uh, FanSource TV. I think you won by about five car lengths. Brother, can you talk a little bit a little bit about the car and how the and how the track was?
8: Uh, the car was really good all weekend. Uh, they had it dialed in from the start um, on practice day the day before. Um, it was so fast. Uh, it took me only because the car was so good. It only took me about I'd say 15 laps to actually get up to speed and it was actually my first time it was my second time in a race car in 3 years and my third or and my first time on asphalt in 3 years. Um so it took me about 15 laps to get up to speed. That's how good the car was. And uh once we got the speed, it took me about 20 more laps to get within 2 tenths of the track record. Uh, so the car was uh dialed in all weekend. Uh the track is it's a really unique track. Um one and two is uh, the whole track's kind of flat, but um, it has kind of progressive banking off the bottom. So um, one and two is really tight, and then three and four is kind of wide and sweeping. So it's hard to get a car really dialed and good at a racetrack like that because you're either going to be good in one corner and not good in the other corner or just find that right balance that you're um, good enough in, in both corners, you know. So uh, um, the car was really loose, but that was how we had to run it uh, for it to be fast. Um, so yeah, uh, once we got out front, it was pretty much smooth sailing. I knew if I could get out front, it would be good. I wanted that clean air because I haven't had a lot of experience at that racetrack, um, and traffic, you know, because I was just practicing by myself, uh, for the, uh, day before. Um, but yeah, once we got out by ourselves, it was pretty smooth sailing.
5: And Jake, you mentioned that the car was already there. You got called up to, uh, to drive it. You know, you've You've raced for Mike Miller in the NASCAR camp, uh, NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series. I still miss all that, uh, uh, Jake. But let our fans know, whenever, let our listeners know, whenever you got up there, was the seat already adjusted? Did you have the the clutch brake, gas pedals, everything adjusted? Or did you have to go through all that just like you would here if you had your vehicle here and not going to that vehicle to get everything set up as far as your seat and everything, Jake?
8: Um, We actually got really fortunate. Um, The way they had it set up was so that um, they had a lot of padding in there from the week before because uh, they usually um, have drivers up there every time they race, and they just call different drivers up there. Jordan Anderson was in it um, about a month ago. And then uh, two weeks ago, um, the person that was in it was actually my size, exactly my size pretty much. So I went up there, and I sat in the car, and everything was – almost perfect we had to adjust the steering wheel a little bit but that was like all we had to do really
5: awesome how does it feel to be back in Victory lane brother i know i know it feels good don't it,
8: it feels great just to be back in a race car um let alone victory lane you know uh getting a win there was really special to me uh i think it it felt about as good as anyone i've gotten because these past three years have been really hard for me man like uh um I thought I was gonna be in a race car my whole life, you know, and, and these last three years was an eye opener that if I don't work hard that can be taken away in a heartbeat. So yeah, uh we're back on the grind now and uh getting after it, you know.
5: That sounds good, Jake. And I'm gonna hand you over to Stephen Wilson, three way dot com. Again, Jake, thanks thank you very much for calling in. Congratulations on your win there at uh Alaska Raceway Park. And we look forward to seeing you in a truck expanding or cup car down the road. Again, thank you, Jake. I'm Tim in Spain. I'm throw you over to speedway.com, Stephen Wilson.
8: Congratulations, brother. Hey, thank you, Tim.
6: Thanks for taking time to come on here tonight to talk to us. Um, it's been three years since you've been in a truck, and uh, the last time you were, you finished fourth with Red Horse Racing. What have you done, aside from go to Alaska Raceway Park? Um, have you Uh, what have you done or what are you doing to prepare uh, to get back into the truck next week?
8: (laughs) Um, So I've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I'd say the main thing is uh, we've been going heavy at the dirt stuff. Um, I I ran my dirt sport mod that um, a really good friend of ours, Patrick Profeta uh, is letting us run uh, pretty much for the rest of the year, or at least how long we want to. And I ran that last Sunday and I'm actually working on it right now. I'm at the shop. Um, We're going to try to run Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then I go up to North Carolina on uh, Saturday and Sunday morning, hopefully get back Sunday night to run out a little more. So I've been trying to play in the dirt a little bit, uh, get my feet wet again, you know, uh, knock the cobwebs off on the dirt side of things. Because I think, in general, asphalt racing is easier for me. It kind of fits me better, even though everybody kind of knows me as the dirt guy. I actually think I'm better on asphalt. So that wasn't as hard for me to – uh grasp as uh the dirt's gonna be, so yeah w- we're gonna run the dirt car a lot um in preparation for eldora and then i um I just been eye racing and uh anything I can do to get ready for it pretty much
6: what do you think the hardest part is uh on racing uh Eldora speedway um
8: it's definitely um depending on how the track is it's definitely getting over the fear of the wall man um i know when i ran there for red horse um i got really unfortunate in practice and uh, i hit the wall pretty hard and we were out for the rest of practice so i missed the whole practice and then um it just getting over the fear of the wall because if you want to be fast at Eldora, you have to be up against that wall and you can't be uh, afraid to uh hit it once or uh, once or twice you know so uh I'd say that's probably the hardest part about Odora is just uh, getting up on the wall and uh, being comfortable with it.
6: Um, you know, uh, a lot of these drivers that are in, we were kind of talking just a little bit about this um, with Xfinity and Cup Series drivers, but um, over the years, we've seen a transition in the fact of um you know, in some of those events, we used to have road course ringers come in and sit in the car, and we just don't really see that as much anymore. And uh, a lot of these drivers that that are in the truck series is kind of the same kind of deal where they have to come to our, uh, they have to come to you know Eldora, and they have to they have to perform well. Um, they don't get you know the option as much anymore to put somebody else in their truck and you know Sheldon Creed is a guy that raced a lot of dirt and did some other things and you know there's a lot of dirt drivers that are in that but you know when you're racing up against some of these other drivers out there um what what do you think what do you think uh what do you think that you are able to do that maybe some of the other drivers just aren't able to do or just because they're they're lacking of experience on on dirt versus just being primarily pavement asphalt drivers Uh, Well,
8: first off, there's a lot of talented drivers that are going to be there. Um, Tyler Dippel, Stuart Friesen, uh, like you said, Sheldon Creed, and just a lot of the regulars are actually getting good at Eldora now. I think we're coming to our fourth year there, if I'm not wrong. Um, So a lot of the regulars are actually getting pretty good at Eldora. So it's going to be hard. Um, I think it's going to be about who can find the moisture. Um, I know lately at Eldora in the races, I think they – I think last year's race, you saw it pretty well, the middle of the track actually uh, being fast for once because a couple years ago, I think they redid the track and they put more banking in the middle uh, than the outside has. So it, it kind of made it a more racy track. So it's going to be who can find the moisture and uh, um, who can get uh, the drive off the corner. And if the track gets rubber down, it, it's just going to be, it's gonna be a, a lot about your setup. Um, but as long as the moisture is out there, it's just going to be who can find it and what you can do with it.
6: What are you, what are you most looking forward to in this experience, uh, in, in the, uh, in the dirt derby at Aldora? Um, what, what, not only just what are you looking most forward to aside from being inside the race car, but, um what what are you looking forward to that this may be a jumping point to go out there and show your case, your talents again?
8: Um, I'm just really looking forward to being back in the truck, man. Um, it's been so long since I've been in one. I miss it. Um, I'm just ready to get back in it. Um, I think it like a lot of times people do good at Eldora and it, it doesn't do much for them. Um, like you've seen uh, Bobby Pierce, really good friend of mine. Um, he has ran exceptionally well at Eldora every time he's been there, and uh, he didn't really have any uh, people that wanted to pursue him in NASCAR. So it's going to be a tough road for sure. Um, Bobby's a wheel man, um, uh, but hopefully, hopefully uh, we can run really good there and uh, maybe get a couple more races in the Truck Series later this year. It's on asphalt tracks and the and good equipment, so that I can show what I can really do on the asphalt because. Like I was telling Tim earlier, I think I'm I think I'm better on asphalt than I am at dirt. But nobody's really seen me in good equipment on asphalt, so that's uh, in the truck series. Um, So that's kind of why I haven't been able to show anybody what I'm made of, you know. But uh, yeah, we're gonna get after it at Eldora, and hopefully it opens some eyes, and uh, hopefully we can run a couple more races this year.
6: Um, My last question is, and you know, and and it's kind of a you know. uh, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of a question that a lot of people ask all the time. But just what is the difference? You say you're really good on on racing asphalt, then you uh, know, the, then the dirt side. But what, what exactly? What what is like? What is the difference between racing on the two? Um, is there something? Is there something you do on the asphalt track that you're not doing on the dirt and something you're doing on the dirt that you're not doing on the asphalt? Like, what what's a, what's, a, what's something that you do differently between the two tracks um, in, in just the way that you race them?
8: Um, well, so dirt is um, obviously the track changes overnight um, or over the course of the day. Um, so you're going to have to adjust to that. You see that sometimes when tracks heat up on asphalt and cool down. Uh, but not as much, um, you don't have spotters, you don't have mirrors. Um, you are going to be looking for a lot more moisture in the racetrack and you look for uh, different grooves that change. Um, at the start of a race, one line may be the fastest. And then when the whole entire, uh, field starts to run up there, that groove will slow down and another groove may open up and be faster. You don't really see that as much on asphalt because usually there's a preferred line and that line sticks. I mean, sometimes at the cup tracks, you'll see Larson. He does it. He does it better than anybody else. I've noticed he will look for the grip in a racetrack. And he got that from dirt. And I think that's what has made me really good on asphalt is that uh, my dirt background kind of helped me look for more lines that people might usually not run. I, I went up to a, Alaska last weekend like we were talking about and everybody was laughing after the race because they said I was running a line they had never seen before and I didn't really like practice a line in practice um it was just something that I saw during the race and I was like well this could work when I started doing it and um it was fast and I found a lot more grip where I was running and uh we took over uh, as soon as I found that line so um yeah but I think on dirt, there's a lot more stuff you have to adjust to over the course of a race. And asphalt is a little more uh, straightforward. You kind of know where it's going to be fast, when it's going to be fast uh, in a race over the course of the weekend. Um, and that's why outdoor is kind of a, a special race uh, because you're in the, in the asphalt trucks, but you're running on a dirt track. So, yep, it should be a good time for sure.
6: Jake, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Best of luck at Eldora, And before we get, let you get out of here, let everybody know how they can follow you uh, on social media and follow you through your uh, race there at Eldora. Thanks a lot, and best of luck.
8: Hey, thank you very much. Yeah, you can check me out on Facebook at Jake Griffin Racing, on Twitter um, at Jake Griffin LA, on Instagram at Jake Griffin LA. Um, again, thanks to all my sponsors uh, for making it possible. Thanks for microphone Our Racing. Uh, Bobby Roos, uh, Matt Hambrick Everybody that's came on board uh, Lately, Patrick Profeta uh, That wants to see me succeed And, and thanks you guys uh, for having the show Thank you
6: Thanks a lot, take care
8: You too.
5: Jake Griffin there Stephen uh, You posed a question there about uh, About the dirt versus asphalt And he talked a lot about dirt, but then he said he's better on asphalt. And it, the the question that you posed to him, he kept going back to looking for moisture on the dirt. And here at my local short track, Talladega short track, uh, a lot of a lot of drivers I talk to also say they're looking for moisture, looking for moisture. I guess moisture must be a grip. But Jake mentioned that Alaska, he went up high and found some grip up there. But I mean, that's a that's a that's a really good question that you posed to him, Steven. I mean, you know, he told us exactly that he's better on asphalt, but he can search on dirt. That's just uh that's a all around racer, on it, Steven.
6: Yeah, it really is, and um, you know, I think it just kind of goes back to the it goes back to the point of what we had discussed a little bit earlier that there's just drivers have to be. Um, really good everywhere. And, um, you know, drivers that come from asphalt have to learn the dirt, and dirt drivers um, that come to asphalt have to learn asphalt. And um, you just have to be really good everywhere, and you have to learn um, what works and what doesn't. And um, we're just seeing more all-around drivers uh, coming into the sport and the talent level is just increasing because of it.
5: And Stephen, we lost Mike Mittler also. So I mean, you know, he was that was another guy that had uh, had let a lot of guys come in. We had Greg Biffle come through Mike Mittler, just to make a statement there. We had uh, Jake Griffin come through Mike Mittler. He raced a lot up there at your track at Martinsville Speedway there in a truck. And uh, Mike Mittler brought a lot of guys through the sport. And I know Jake Griffin. Don't forget, he doesn't forget that, but. In the back of my mind, Stephen, everybody that we have seen come through Mike Midler Motorsports has made it up there at one time. They might not have stayed there, but they made it up there, brother.
6: Yeah. um, Mike Midler brought a lot of people into the sport, and I think that's his lasting legacy. And just some of the people that drove for him, uh, Carl Edwards, Jamie McMurray, uh, just to name a few, um there's many many others that have come along the way too, but you know he's uh i think that's just his lasting legacy in in fact and um I think the comparison is is that you know that's kind of what Kyle Bush Motorsports does today is bring these drivers into the sport and give them opportunities um maybe maybe not the same opportunities, but um still. You know, it kind of gives them opportunities, but I think they're, you know, that's really his lasting legacy in this sport.
5: Exactly, and Steven, Let's take a little quick break. Because I know you've been, you've been wide open there for the last few minutes while I took a break after we had Jake. But uh, uh, let's take a little quick break. Let's listen to, uh, let's listen to "Fast" by Luke Bryan, and we'll be right back shortly from uh child exhibit right outside of Tower the Super Speedway I'm Timmy's Blaine on Speedway com we will be right back after this song mm-hmm.
7: Matt Benedetto, driver of the number 95 Procore Toyota Camry, and you're listening to the Pit Stop with Tim Despain.
5: We're back live from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim Despain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, uh, we had Jake Griffin come on there, and uh, he had a lot of insights. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series deal there. Uh, Stephen? He finally got a win. Kevin Harvick from Stuart haas Racing finally got a win. We was all, you and I, everybody was talking about that. He finally punched his ticket, Stephen.
6: Yeah, um, you know, I think they've just been hit with a lot of bad luck this year, and that's just really hasn't helped them at all. Um, So, you know, for them this late in the season to us be discussing uh, um, you know him going to victory lane is I guess a little bit abnormal because we've discussed in previous years of you know Kevin Harvick at this point has been in victory lane three or four or five times so um, yeah I finally punched his ticket and I don't think he was he was in not in any danger of at least not not making the playoffs but um yeah. Um good for them and good for um Stuart Haas racing getting their their uh their win there this weekend.
5: Exactly, Stephen. I will agree with you. I don't think it was I don't think it was when or where but how. And like you said, uh it was just a matter of time he was gonna punch his ticket. But Stephen, let's listen to a little bit about uh, a little bit of uh, Rodney Childers, uh, Kevin Harvick, and Greg Zipadelli there in the, in the uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway Media Center, and see what he has to say.
2: We will now begin our post-race media availabilities. We're joined by members of our race-winning team for the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. We are joined by driver of the number four Bush Beer National Forest Foundation Ford for Stewart Haas Racing, along with crew chief Rodney Childers and Vice President of Competition for Stuart Haas St. Greg Zibidelli. Thank you for joining us congratulations guys. We'll go ahead and open it up for questions. Please raise your hand and we'll get to you as soon as we can. We'll start over here with Jeff and then
3: we'll come right up here to Davey. Hi Kevin, Jeff Buck from The Athletic. Um, what was your name again? My <laughs> name is Jeff Buck from The Athletic. Um, Denny gave quite an extensive like eight minute breakdown of everything from his view. So I wanted to run a couple things by you because he had some assumptions about what you were thinking based on he was thinking so um so you initially went low to avoid a lap car and he felt like that opened the door so i guess first of all like why why did you do that
0: well the lap cars were right in the middle of the groove um with three laps to go you know there was four of them that were just you know just right where i wanted to be so i had to do something and i didn't want to lose momentum and and i was hoping that you know you could catch a break and and you know as soon as I got to him the front of my car just didn't turn as well and, and that's really where his uh, tire deficit or our tire deficit showed showed up um, in clean air you know we were you know where we needed to be and, and you know ran faster than we had run all day so um, you know the, the, the thing that it comes down to is the call that Rodney made and in, in putting us in control of the race uh, we got a good restart and you know, just the lap cars uh, didn't didn't play out for us, and, and some of the the choices that I made allowed that gap to go away, and then it was defense from, from there. So he said, so once he got position on you, um, he felt like... Wait a second, he never got position on me. Well, <laughs> in, in one and two,
3: he was side by side. Yeah. So he felt like you you both were going down the backstretch, like, pedaling it. Like, he thought that you were both kind of trying to decide with each other, like, who really wants to lead here? Um, because he thought if, if he led... That you would probably get behind him and push him up the track for sure. So, um, did you? I guess did you feel that way? And then he he thought his mistake was that he should have had the power position on you, on the bottom instead of going yeah, on the top and letting you do that. I agree with that.
0: Yeah. You know, I think um, you know for for me, um, I knew that he was close enough that he was going to take a shot, and you know, as soon as he got the opportunity, and um, I knew I didn't need to be in the third lane. Um, I knew he was going to try to you know go through the middle lane and just try to get into the left rear and get me out into the fourth lane, and there's just no grip out there. So I knew uh, going in the corner, I'm like, I'm going down here. He's going to hit me. I just need to survive the hit. Um, and luckily I timed it. I got lucky in timing it so that as soon as he hit me, I was on the brakes and was able to keep the car straight, slow his momentum down. He got up beside me, and then at that point I was half throttle coming off the corner. I'm like, you know, it, it, at that point you want to you want to have the, the last, shot you know going into, into turn three and he let off a bunch and I'm like okay well that's fine I'll take the bottom here and and just uh, um, you know I, I I didn't know what he was going to do from there when as soon as I saw him I just kind of let the car have its head and you know he got into the right rear quarter panel and I was coming up at the same time to try to to block and it knocked the front end out from underneath his car and mm-hmm. and we were able to, to drive up off the corner so uh, it turned into a wild finish um, you know just Honestly, because it just I couldn't, I didn't get through the lap cars navigating the lap cars well enough um, in the groove that I was running. I had to do something different, and, um, you know, our car was just at a little bit of a deficit there, you know, once we got to dirty air.
2: We'll come down here to Davey, then over to Mark and
3: Nate. Davey Siegel with Front Stretch. So, Kevin, on the initial restart, did you think you were sitting duck? And then once you got out to about a half a second lead, but then Denny started creeping in on you, did you think that it was over at that point, and what was your mindset once he? Got yeah, he never really crept
0: home in home. on me. You know, we were able to, you know, to kind of maintain four tenths to six tenths, maybe down to three. Um, you know, and then he made a big mistake there with like three or four laps to go, and you know he got back far enough to where he had some cleaner air and, and got back to about the same gap. And I just didn't want to. I didn't want to make big mistakes. I didn't want to just, you know, miss the miss the entry. I just needed to hit my marks on entry and get the car rotated. And I really thought we would be we would be fine if it wasn't if it wasn't for the for the lap traffic. But I thought we were sitting duck, yes. Um, but you know, I, I knew our car was good, and I just didn't know what would happen after 35 laps on the tires. But we ran, you know, almost two tenths faster than we had run all day. So that's that's why sometimes you just have to suck it up from the driver's compartment, and they they make the call, and and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. And today it was today it was right because he put us in control of the restart, and and really the key to that whole that whole sequence of things was I didn't have to race the 20. Um, I got a good jump on the restart. The 20 and the 11 got me that racing side-by-side, side got me that 4 to 6 tenth gap, and it pretty much stayed there. And um, you know, and as soon as we ran four or five laps, my confidence level went way up just because of the lap times the car was running and, and I could drive it in the corner further and let off the brakes more and everything just got better. So he knew that the car was better than, than I thought it was, and um, you know the, the only thing that, that really worried me was when Kyle shot by me early in the race on those two tires, and and so you know we just we needed to just get through the the first two laps, and uh, we were able to do that.
4: What did this little guy think of the lobster?
0: What did it taste like?
2: It didn't taste good.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we'll come right down here.
3: Mark. It's on.
0: Mark Arrow PRN. Kevin, we're smiling here, you, uh, you know, it's short track, expect any
5: to hit me and, you know, it worked out, so you're smiling. If it didn't work out, would it still have been
0: okay, that contact and what you guys went through if you wound up in second place? Um, you know, I think, I just told him, I said, we were leaving on a tow truck or winning the race today. So, you know, I, I think it's just that point and in, in the way that racing is now, you, you, um, you know, with all the chances that you have to take, and, and whether it's from strategy or blocking or pushing somebody out of the way, I mean, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. I feel like I did what I was supposed to do to, to try to win the race. Or just, You know, when you're in a position, you, you just have to lay it all out there and see what happens, and today we came out on the right side of it, so I don't have to worry about what would have happened.
2: We'll go to Nate, and then we'll go right here in the front. Nate
4: Ryan, NBC Sports. Rodney, on the call that Kevin said you made to take control of the race, there were, I think, 18 cars in the lead lap. So caution with 35 to go the leader pits and you are one of only three cars that stay out. Were you surprised that maybe half the cars in the lead lap don't stay out at that point? Yeah, the guys that were leading the race, I was really surprised that they that they pitted. Um yeah, you know, when we went green with 80 to go, we had already decided that if there's another caution, we're not going to pit unless we get shuffled back to eighth or ninth and we can maybe put some tires on and drive back up through there, but um, when I told him to stay out, I honestly thought we would restart somewhere in the first two rows. And then everybody pulled in, and we were, we're sitting there, the leader, when, I, when he comes into sight. And I'm like, what in the world? But uh, but anyway, you know, it, you just don't ever know when that's going to work out. Um, you know, I felt like we had a good car the whole race. And um, you know, any time we could get clean air or, or far enough back from somebody, he was faster than anybody on the racetrack all day long. And then, you know, every time we would run somebody down and get within, you know, five, six car lengths of them, we would slow down to a three-tenths of lap. So, um, you know, the, the clean air was, was huge today. And uh, honestly, like he said, it was all about getting a, a good restart, uh, the 11 and the 20 kind of racing each other for a couple laps and getting out there. And, and um, it seemed like after four or five laps, the tires would kind of equal out. So... Um, he did a great job on the restart and, and got us where we need to be. I, I know that the, these races are only. Stephen, that was
5: uh and there talking. There, uh, you know, uh, Denny Hamlin raced Kevin Harvick really hard, and uh, to, let our, to let our listeners know, back in the day, you you might not get a race that you might not get race that safe, but Denny Hamlin raced a good race against Kevin Harvey. He went up there, he didn't he didn't move him out of the way. He went up there. He bumped him, he nudged him, he tried to get a tried to get around him and he couldn't see that he could do it. So the gentleman in agreement there with Denny Hamlin, I wanna give Denny Hamlin a big applause on that deal there, brother.
6: Yeah, I don't think years ago you would have got the same respect and I think definitely if it uh um, you know, if you're racing up against Dale Earnhardt, he was a little put you in the wall and not worried about it. And uh, uh, I, I think a little bit of that has lo- been lost a bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, he raced him fairly clean. And, um, you know, maybe Kevin Harvick will remember that at some point and Or maybe he won't. Um, we might see the two of them go at it So, you know um, And I guess, you know, even looking back At Denny Hamlin and um, um, Chase Elliott from 2016 um, 2016, 20, Sorry, 2017 or Whatever it was at Martinsville um, Yeah, you know Hamlin put Elliott and Wall there And you know, uh, it's a whole different circumstance So, I don't know um, Yeah, you can give it to him For uh, for for Racing him as clean as he did
5: Exactly, brother I don't know if I could have had the hard to do that But anyway, that's the comment I was looking for But Stephen uh, We're coming up on Pocono this weekend uh, Second race here at Pocono. Pocono, do you have The TV times and schedule, brother That you let our, let our listeners know
6: yeah, we'll be racing at Pocono, Pocono and Iowa this weekend. Um, so there's a lot of racing action going on uh, this. Uh, oh, I got to find where I was at. Sorry. Uh, Arca, ARCA series racing will be Friday afternoon at uh, four o'clock to be to be followed by NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series qualifying at six o five. For those guys, Gander series, uh, Gander Truck Series Racing um, there on Saturday, um, 1 o'clock, 60 laps, 150 miles for them. Uh, 4.05 on Saturday is uh, Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series qualifying uh, from Pocono. Then on uh, Saturday also, we have Xfinity Series qualifying. Uh, good Lord. There, there's so much going on, I'm trying to figure out where where everything is. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Oh, getting sorry, Xfinity Series qualifying is at twelve o five on Saturday from Iowa. Five o'clock Xfinity Series Racing US year two fifty out there, two hundred and fifty left, two hundred and eighteen point seventy five miles. And the uh then also on um then to back up just a little bit on uh Friday night at eight thirty next car Kenyon Pro Series, East and West Series combination race there. Uh, and Iowa, 150 last 131.25 miles for them. Then on Sunday, we've got the Gander Outdoors 400. From uh, the Pocono Raceway, 3 o'clock, uh, 160 laps, 400 miles. NBC SN will have the coverage. MRN and will have the radio coverage for that event on Sunday.
5: Hey, man, brother. Take a breath. Thank you, very thank you very much for that, Stephen. Before we jump out of here, I want to thank Jake Griffin. There, uh, he went up there and won that late model race at Alaska Raceway Park. Won it, and he's going to Eldora to race for Mike Ferraro Motorsports and the Truck Series there on the dirt. And again, Stephen, thank you very much. I want you to let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and your website, brother. And we'll jump out of here.
6: You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, Slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com.
5: Steven, thank you, brothers. Tell AM and the boys we said hello, and I'm going to try to do this touch screen and get out of here. And I think next week uh, we have our guest. Before I let you jump out of here, I guess Scott Page from JC is coming on, correct? Yes. Okay, 10 4. And to let you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say it right out here on live air. Uh uh I've got Wayne Alton wants to come on. Uh Daniel Hamrick told me how to get in touch with his deal and get them on. But but uh next weekend, uh seven twenty Eastern time, Stephen has Scott Page from Jayski. Jayski is a big, big, big information site there. But again, Stephen, thank you very much. We're gonna say good night from Tal Alabama. I'm gonna pose Play this last song, uh, Whipple Appeal" by Babyface, and we will talk to you next Tuesday evening live from Talladega, Alabama.
6: I'm Matt
7: Benedetto, driver of the number 95 ProCore Toyota Camry, and you're listening to the Pit Stop with Tim Despain.
1: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.